You're listening to Church on the Path Inspiration Podcast. Brought to you by Holy Fire. And broadcasting from the heart of Brisbane City, Australia. Speaking today is Pastor Glenn Gerhauser. Today's message is entitled, He's Still a Carpenter. He's Still a Carpenter. And this is number two in the people of God. Often I've heard he's more than a carpenter or he's not a carpenter anymore. But the thing that was on my heart this week is that he's still a carpenter. And I'm going to be talking about that. First, we'll pray. Father, I'm asking that you would reveal another aspect of your beauty to us, who you are, the power of who you are, the grace of who you are, the glory, the glory of who you are. Reveal it to us. Let us eat. Let us hear your word. Let us be encouraged and let your body, uh, let the body of Christ, your body be built up here and all across Australia and the world. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Amen. He's still a carpenter. Mark 6.3, Mark 6.3 says, these are the people reflecting on Jesus and his ministry in his hometown. Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. They became familiar with him. They lost that sense of, of reverence of being around a, a man of God. And more than a man of God, here is the Son of God himself, God in the flesh. But the thing that I want to bring out here especially is, isn't this the carpenter? That was his trade, as we know, is... We know that uh, Jesus was a carpenter by trade, but let me tell you that this is more than just a trade for Jesus, that uh, spiritually speaking, he is a carpenter, he is a builder, and he's building us. And so let's talk about that some more. Jesus is still a carpenter, and he builds to last. He's building his people like a house, that stands through every storm. He's making us like a mountain that's strong, stable, and immovable. Did you hear that? He's still a carpenter. He's building his house to last so that we can stand through every storm. And he's making us like a mountain. When you think about a mountain, you know it's strong, it's stable, it's immovable, it's constant, it's continual. And that's how he's making us. You'll remember Jesus speaking to Peter. And I like to turn over there. I have the verse here, but Matthew 16. Matthew 16. And 
it, we'll start in verse 15 here. He first, first, before this, Jesus says, who do people say the Son of Man is? Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? And so Jesus is taking it from being general and what other people say to being very personal. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And notice Jesus' response here. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. So this was not just his own thinking here. This is the Spirit of God by revelation revealing to Peter that Jesus is the Messiah. And Jesus makes that clear. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood. It was not a human thing. It came from God. It was revealed by my Father in heaven. And then it goes on to say, and that's our verse up here, and I tell you, you are Peter, Petros in the Greek. And on this rock, Petra, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. So here in the NIV, it translates it as gates of Hades instead of hell. Well, Hades is very literal. That's the Greek uh, word there. But let's go back and, and we'll read this again. And I, will, and, I, and I tell you, this is Jesus speaking, and I tell you that you are Peter. And Peter means, Petros means a stone, a rock a smaller rock, but a, quite a solid rock, and uh, definitely a solid rock. And on this rock, Petra, and Petra is like a big rock face, a big rock face or cliff. So you can see this wordplay here between Peter's name, which means rock, and then this bigger rock, Petra. And I will tell you that on uh, and I will tell you that you are Peter, Petros, and on this rock, Petra, I will build my church. Now here, that's, I want to highlight this phrase, I will build my church. And you've probably heard this before. Uh, I want us to really get it in our hearts and say it together. I will build my church. And in what way is he building his church? It says that the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Hades is the underground world. And so how Greeks understood it back then, this is the underground world, the place of the dead, but also of demons. You're thinking of this uh, when you think of Hades. And he says the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Which means Jesus is saying, I am building my church so strong that the devil will not take it down and death and decay and the underworld and whatever you throw at it, it will not overcome it. So God is building us. Jesus is building us to be overcomers. And it's based on that revelation from the Father that Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the big rock. And he's making Peter into a rock like him, a rock like him. And so in the same way, the Lord is making us all into rocks, into stones, strong, solid, 
stable. I will build my church and the gates of Hades. Now, the gates in ancient times, you know, that was the place where they would do strategizing, where they would make decisions for the city. This is speaking of the gates of a city. Where they would do uh, planning there, make decisions. The elders would meet in the gates. So the gates was a place of great authority. But here it's saying that the gates of Hades will not overcome it because what Jesus builds lasts. It is not a, a, sh a shoddy build. It is not Ikea stuff. <laughs> you know, you get it in a, it's all this cork wood, and the moment it, the rain touches it, it expands, and oh boy. Here is my mom, and she's next to a piece of furniture that my grandfather built. So this is my mom, Jilda Gerhauser. Uh, we, her nickname was Jill, but her real name is Jilda. And her father, Constantine Petroselli, uh, built this, and he was a carpenter. My grandfather was a carpenter. He, uh, they lived in Morocco. He started his business there, furniture making. He would make foosball tables, all sorts of furniture. His name in it is connected to uh, Petros uh, Rock. Um, and I looked it up in the Italian. I never realized that, but that was, that's the, the meaning of his name in Italian. Well, he would make these pieces of furniture. Now, these pieces of furniture were made with the best quality wood. So they go from generation to generation. They may cost more because somebody's put, you know, he's put a lot of work into it. And so they're not going to be as cheap as something made in a, in a factory that's popping out all the same thing because they're custom works. And, but the thing is, they last from generation to generation. It doesn't just uh, you know, last for a few years and then you have to buy another thing. And this type of, there's still people who do these things, but this type of design, art, trade, uh, yeah, it's a lost art. You don't see that uh, as much anymore. But the thing I want to bring out here is it was built to last. It was built to last. And God's work lasts from generation to generation. Lador Vador. This is a Hebrew phrase. And if you went to Israel, they would know this one. Lador Vador, which means from generation to generation. His work is like his name, Yahweh. And the name Yahweh in Hebrew has that great sense of being eternal and enduring. And his name is, his work is like his name, Yahweh, enduring from generation to generation. And when God is revealing his name to Moses in Exodus 3.15, the Hebrew is Lador Dor, Lador Dor, which is, again, the sense from generation to generation. So it could be said Lador Vador or Lador Dor. This is from generation to gen generation. And so the work that God is doing is not some uh, fly-by-night work. It's something that is going to be built that will stay from generation to generation. There'll, all, there'll always be these fly-by-night ministries that come, that go, they, 
They seem to be spectacular, but then they seem to disappear. But that's not, um, that's not God's work. God's work is something that is a rock that stays. Anna and I, uh, a few weeks back, we discovered Under the Story Bridge. Did you know that Under the Story Bridge, it's all renovated now. It's these restaurants, and it's beautiful. It looks quite European. And this is our own photo of being under the Story Bridge. What happened is I was on the prayer retreat, and I had my, uh, I went out during the afternoon uh, go on an adventure with Jesus and I took my scooter and I started to go down a path and I was like where does this path lead and I went under the story bridge and then made it all the way to New Farm Park and it was a lot of beautiful flowers blooming at New Farm Park and this was one of the places that I discovered you may have discovered it before and then I took Anna here I said Anna let's go for a, a date and so we, we sat there and I took this picture. So that's under the story bridge. But I was thinking, you know, sitting under that story bridge, all those trucks going over it, all those cars, all that weight, I must really trust the structure of this bridge if I'm going to sit under it and have lunch. <laughs> right? This must be, and I looked up at it. Oh, yep, it looks strong to me. Uh, and you don't want things flying down from it, you know, little pebbles or anything. And uh, I felt relatively, I felt safe. I felt, not relatively, I felt safe uh, under it. Now imagine a bridge wasn't solid. Imagine a bridge wasn't solid. Nobody would want to cross it. God's people, and nobody would definitely want to sit under it. <laughs> so nobody would want to cross a bridge that is not solid. God's people are a bridge to connect people to God's kingdom. So we are the bridge to connect people to God's kingdom. If we're not trustworthy and our story has cracks in it, people will not want to come to us and cross into the kingdom. So the way Jesus is building us is like how they built the story bridge or in it, how they... Uh, renovated it and made it strong. It's the work that the Lord is doing is a solid work, and that's why we go through all these pressure tests. Have you been through a pressure test? <laughs> we go through all these pressure tests, and they reveal to us where there's weakness, and that's the area where the Lord wants to send His grace and strengthen us. But trials are pressure tests, and I feel like we've been through a lot of them lately. <laughs> but we, keep, we have hope in it because we know that God is building us strong. He's building character, rock-solid character in us. And this is how he makes the people of God. We are his people. This is how he makes us. Therefore, since... God wants us to be solid. Therefore, we need to let God build us by his spirit. Notice that in the beginning, it was not flesh and blood. It was not the flesh that revealed to Peter that Jesus was the Messiah. It was the spirit. And when God does things, it's through his spirit. And he builds us through his spirit. He reveals to us who he is through his spirit. 
And you can have a lot of Christians that have head knowledge, but they don't have that intimacy and revelation of the Spirit. God's people are called to be a people of His Spirit. And therefore, we need to let God build us by His Spirit. And what God constructs by His Spirit endures. And one of the things I preached last week to the church there, the Tongan church was, uh, and it was a beautiful church. They honored us and felt a lot of love, felt deeply connected. And it was just a great time, a really beautiful church. And uh, one of the things I preach is not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And that was given, the context of that was given to the people rebuilding the second temple. The temple of Solomon, that grand temple was destroyed. The people were deported. The Israelites were deported to Babylon. Now a remnant comes back and they're trying to rebuild the temple and they are getting discouraged and they have a lot of opposition and they are really at the edge of giving up with all the, uh, with all the force that's coming, coming against them. And it's in the midst of that that the Lord says, not by might, nor by power. In other words, it's not by your human flesh, not by your might, not by your force, not by your power, not by your strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord. That's how you're going to build. That's how you're going to move forward. That's how you're going to be strong is by the spirit of God. What God constructs by his spirit endures. It's stamped with the seal made by God and guaranteed forever. <laughs> so when God makes something, it's stamped by his stamp. Yeah. Every plant that's not planted by the Father, the Lord will pluck up. That's what Jesus said to the Pharisees, because they were building and they were planting stuff, and, but it wasn't made by God, it was their flesh. But when it's made by God, it has his stamp, his seal, made by God, like a label in back of a piece of clothing and it's guaranteed forever you know the warranties now it's usually one year and I think technically it's supposed to be two years uh, with the new laws uh, but God's warranty is forever <laughs> guaranteed forever so in contrast the works of the flesh pass away they don't last the works of the flesh pass away they they don't last So here, uh, I went on the prayer retreat, and I want to share a prophetic word, one of the major prophetic words that I received. This was the first major prophetic word that I received in the uh, prayer retreat. And one of the things is I, my prayer retreat was in the Bible school center, so Anna made a little spot for me to sleep, which was like home. That was near my desk. And then I had a, a chair where I could sit and read in a little lamp. And then I set up one of the chairs right in front of the uh, a TV so that I could put on worship and just worship the Lord. And so at a certain time of day, around afternoon time, I would sit there. there that's Don Potter, if you see the picture there. And I put on Don Potter. I put on Lyndall Cooley. I uh, put on some other uh, worship leaders and just sat there and worshiped. And then as I worshiped the Lord, the, the word of the Lord came to me very quickly. 
And I started to write. And when I do this, when I write a prophetic word, I'm not thinking about the word. I'm just writing as the Holy Spirit is carrying me along. And often my hand gets really cramped and tired. It's like, ah. <laughs> but I need to write it. It's not a bad thing. It's a, it's a joyful thing. But my hand is, is just gets, I'm just carried by the Holy Spirit. And the word of God is coming from the inside. I share that because it can be the same for you too. Worship, song, and prophecy are interwoven together. You'll see God's holy instruments of worship, song, and prophecy intersecting in the Psalms and 2 Kings 3, 15 through 16. And I've been blessed to see that at church. Here we are. We are uh, worshiping and Yushi is praying, and Chris is praying, and Anne prophesying last week. We had a beautiful time at Anne's place. She has a beautiful property. And so these things are interwoven together. So when the Holy Spirit's moving, there should be prophecy, and there'll be song, and there'll be prayer, and there'll be the gifts. The gifts of the Spirit will be moving. And it's not as much what is my gift. The gift is the Holy Spirit. And sometimes he gives something to one person one day to share and another thing to another person another day. Uh, it's just letting the Holy Spirit, uh, we make it complicated. The gifts of the Spirit we make complicated. But really it's just something that is from the grace of God. And it's just letting the Holy Spirit flow and do his work. It's letting the Holy Spirit be Lord. And when he's Lord, there's freedom. Well, in 2 Kings 3, 15 through 16, we see this happening with Elisha, Elisha, Elijah's protege, his disciple. And look at what Elisha says here. But now bring me a harpist. And don't you play the harp? You should have brought the harp out. <laughs> We've been ripped off. I just remember that now. Now, that, that's a, that sounds beautiful. I'm just joking around. Um, but now bring me a harpist. And the harpist, you know, it has to do with strings, music. It could be any instrument. But now bring me a harpist. While the harpist was playing, the hand of the Lord came on Elisha and he said, this is what the Lord says, I will fill this valley with pools of water. And the prophecy goes on. But the thing I want to bring out is that connection between this uh, psalmist, this musician playing and then as he plays, the hand of the Lord comes on Elisha and he prophesies. And you could, it's easy, with all the technology today, you know, you say, oh, I can't read my Bible. You can just actually press play and have it read to you. <laughs> you can put on worship. And one of, the thing, one of the great testimonies is Lyndall Cooley's testimony. He had that. Uh, he, he, was at, he almost died a f uh, about seven weeks ago because he had a rupture in his artery by his uh, heart. And uh, it was really, 
really tragic. And what they did, what the family did as he, after he had surgery, he had, he had multiple surgeries and they didn't know if he was gonna make it. And they, they said he had about a 30% chance or less. And they put worship around him. So he was sick, and, but they put worship around him. And he testifies that there was one song by Laura, uh, Lauren Daigle. It's Lauren Daigle, did I get the? And he heard the word. He said, I didn't like the uh, song at first, but now I love it. And it was the song Rescue. And she says something like, I will, uh, the Lord is speaking in it. I will send an army, something like that. And through that, he received the vision from God and God came with spectacular grace. And you can hear it better from his own mouth. But there's the, the connection between the, the music and the, the realm of the spirit and how God uses these things. Uh, and so you can put on worship in your house and with YouTube. I put YouTube on. I have Don Potter playing. You have some of the best worship leaders. <laughs> well, we have the best worship leader. <laughs> no, Anna said, please do not say that. Because <laughs> she's humble. But you have these, uh, yeah, these, we have so, some amazing tools. So then this is what the Lord spoke, and this is what I wrote. And... I'll, I'll begin reading it. I'm making my people into a mighty mountain, the mountain of the Lord. The nations will flock to my mountain to hear my ways. I'm making my people strong, tall, and unstoppable. My people will be a city of light on a hill, seen and feared by all. The mountain is growing bigger and bigger. I'm building my house to host my presence. I'm nailing together the walls with my word. I'm joining my people together. I'll keep on reading and I'll reflect on it after this. Tell my people to stop focusing on the devil and your own lack. Focus on me. See what I am doing. I'm making you into a mighty and immovable mountain according to Isaiah 2 and Micah 4. Know who you are. Know who I am in you. Stop fretting over what's happening in the world. Start rejoicing over what's happening in my kingdom, my eternal and unchanging kingdom. The world shakes. My kingdom is unshakable. A mountain, the mountain of God. Just as people love to climb the great mountains, just as people love to climb the great mountains, they will seek to climb my mountain. They will come to my mountain, which is you, my church. Never underestimate or despise my church, no matter what the size. My church is my mountain, and it's growing stronger and bigger than ever. Donkeys and camels will come loaded with treasure to bring to my mountain, just like they brought treasures to Solomon. Now, I just stopped there. That's Donkeys and camels, I, I didn't understand it fully. I just wrote it. <laughs> I don't know if it meant literal donkeys or camels, or this is what I just wrote what the Lord gave me. <laughs> so so going, going, back, going back, donkeys and camels will come loaded with treasure to bring to my mountain, just like they brought treasures to Solomon. 
these treasures, their wealth, are to build my house to be glorious. Watch them coming. They are coming. Nations, people, diverse ethnic groups are coming with their treasures and saying, teach me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your ways. And my word will thunder from Zion like the days of old. No longer will there be boundaries blocking my people from coming near to me. The boundaries are gone through the cross. All with humility and reverence can draw near. Draw near nations. The time is now. Amen. And that was the 12th of October. So I'll go back here and just some of my, my thoughts here. I never really saw God's church as a mighty mountain. I saw it as the house of God. I saw it as the, an army. I did not see it like a mountain. But this was the thing that the Lord was saying. It's, it's, it's a house. It's a bride. God's people are a house. We are his temple. We are his bride. We are his army. We are also this mountain and as I thought about it more theologically, God himself is a mountain and he's making us like him. So he's a rock and he's making us like him, just like Petros Petra. He's making us like him. And he's making us like his kingdom. We're becoming one with his kingdom because his kingdom is like a mountain we see in Daniel, that, that stone that hits the statue and the statue comes tumbling down, but the stone gets larger and larger and becomes a, a mountain. And so when God's kingdom is operating in us, we become like that mountain. So that's what I, that was something new that was brought to my attention here. This, the, the next thing in the, the next slide here, tell my people to stop focusing on the devil and your own lack. This is something I've been hearing over and over from the Lord. And, and I, especially out of all the time of last year and COVID, we've been focused on so much of what the devil is doing and our own lack, but he's saying, focus on me. Focus on me. And then Isaiah 2 and Micah 4, they're very similar. I'm going to read from that uh, very soon. And then stop fretting over what's happening in the world, start rejoicing over what's happening in my kingdom. So it's very easy, easy for a flesh to get into fretting over what's happening in the world. It doesn't mean that bad things are not happening in the world, but we need to rejoice in what's happening in the kingdom because that is the answer to what's happening in the world. The world shakes, but God's kingdom is unshakable. It's a mountain. It's the mountain of God. And as we, we're going to read, it's the, going to be the chief of mountains. It is the chief of mountains and will be the chief of mountains. And then, you know, I saw this picture of people climbing the great mountain of the Lord. And never underestimate a church, no matter what size. I, I've told this story before, and I'm coming to an end soon. I'm coming to an end. So if you're worried, I'm coming to an end soon. <laughs> but I was very... Uh, coming out of revival and the millions of people there and, and then coming here and I, I was very discouraged at first and thinking, oh, my church is so small. And so I went back to report to some of the leaders in Pensacola and tell them what was happening. And I told 
Robert Gladstone, I said, oh, we only had 30 people in our church. And I was a bit, you know, he said to me, he said, that sounds like a real church. (laughs) You know, because we had large, large groups and there was really something that God was speaking about community and family. And so he said, no, 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 that sounds like a real church. Keep it up. And we should never despise a church by its size or think it's less because of its size. Because we're part of that mountain, the mountain of the Lord. Of course, then here, nations, uh, watch them coming, the Lord said. Nations, people, diverse ethnic groups. Nations, people, diverse ethnic groups are coming with their treasures and saying, teach me your ways, O Lord, teach me your ways. And the last part of it was the time is now. So now Micah 4, 1 through 2. And you can read more of this. I'll just, I just have verse 1 and 2 to save time here. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills and peoples will stream to it. Many nations will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths. Amen. And so we should pray in that direction. We should pray that these things that God has promised and said would happen, will happen in our generation. We could remain asleep and then God will say, okay, well, I won't use that generation. I'll use the next generation that's hungry. But we've got to kind of lay hold of God and say, the word of God is going to come to pass. We need to lay hold of God and say, let it come to pass with me, my family, and my generation. Instead of letting the Lord just walk by us, just like in the past, he walked by the Israelites and they died in the wilderness, but they drank from the river, but they died in the wilderness. Then God used the next generation that Joshua led. We got to be those who are like that Joshua generation, or technically like the generation Joshua led (laughs) and we got to be like Joshua and like Jacob I will not let you go until you bless me and let it happen here and now let it happen in Australia let it happen in Brisbane so who are who are the people of God as we come to an end here who are the people of God they are God's people They belong to him, and he is their God. They are unlike any other people on earth because God has chosen them to represent his name. They bear his name, and his presence is with them. They have a great responsibility, but also have unlimited grace. Like Jesus, God gives them his spirit without measure so that they can indeed be the people of God not just in name, but in action. So if you go there to Exodus 33, we see that this is in Moses' prayer. And many of you will remember it in uh, 
Exodus 33, verse 13. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways. Teach me your ways. So I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Well, one of God's ways is his spirit. He does everything by his spirit. We come to know him by his spirit. He builds by his spirit. He reveals by his spirit. Teach me your ways so that I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, my presence. Say my presence. My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? The thing that distinguishes us is not all our good works, so to speak, but it's his presence from which the good works come from. Good works are very important, but what distinguishes us is the presence of God being with us. Otherwise, we're just like any other charity organization out there. And we praise God for every good thing, so we're not bringing that down. But God's people are a different people. They, we bear his name. His presence is with us. We have a great responsibility. But also we have unlimited grace that we can tap into. And just like Jesus was given the spirit without measure... So we can't be the people of God unless we have the Spirit. And it's not just about in name, but in action. Here's a city on a hill. Uh, this is Brisbane City. But we're ending with Matthew 5, 14 through 16. The Lord wants to make us a city on a hill. And that's who His people are. This is the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 14 through 16, and this is our last verse. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works, and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Amen? You are the light of the world. Father, I want to thank you that we have been chosen. Chosen by you. You have set a fire in us so that we can be a light to this world. Out of all the peoples of the world, you have called us to be your own. And Lord, we just acknowledge that you are still a carpenter. You are still building. And your words are like nails that are driven into us. And you're connecting us to one another. And this is not something that flesh and blood can do. Only your spirit can do it. And it's not by might nor by power, but by your spirit. And so we commit our whole community to you, our whole church community that we would be built by your spirit, that we would be built strong by you, and that we would become the mighty mountain that you're making us. 
And Lord, we call in the nations from the north, south, east, and west. west. Let the nations come in. Let the peoples come in. Let the ethnic groups come in and let them bring treasures into the house of God. And may people be hungry once again to know your ways. To know your ways. To walk in your ways. To live according to your word. Let us catch your heart, Lord. You have called us to be your people. Let us be your people truly. Thank you, Father, for everything we received this week with Anna teaching about your name being poured out like fragrant oil. Thank you for everything that we have learned. Lord, let it become so much a part of us, Father. We know that we are weak. We know that we fall short, but we have a mighty God and you're able to do more than we ask or imagine. Thank you, Jesus. I want to make sure we pray for our tithes and offerings. Is that okay? And if you're online and you've been blessed by the ministry, you can give through brisbanefire.com. There's a give page at brisbanefire.com and we could use the increased support. Uh, We need some more partners and supporters for the ministry. So if you would like to be a part of that, um, yeah, we would greatly appreciate it. And we're going to pray now for all of our tithes and offerings and giving. Father, I want to thank you for everyone that has given and they have sacrificed and they've brought the oil into the house, so to speak, to keep the fire burning. Bless them abundantly. Father, I pray that as a community, we would be faithful tithers and givers and that there would be so much giving that like Moses' day, we would be able to say, it's it's enough, enough. We have more than enough. We're not there yet. (laughs) But I just pray for overwhelming generosity in our congregation and the people who are friends and part of the extended family of this community. Bless the tithes and offerings. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can I hear an amen?